Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And we are thrilled to once again be joined for the first time in 2024 by the well-traveled, the (laughs) well-read, Bridget Todd. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, not well-traveled lately, but maybe over the course of my lifetime, moderately traveled. Although I can't really compete with you, Annie. You really get around. (laughs) Last year, your Instagrams, like, took you all over the world. You were traveling, traveling for the podcast world, so... I think that's understated. Okay, I guess I guess the entire year of 2023, maybe recently, it feels like in the, like the last couple of weeks. Not, not I've been traveling from my fridge to my bed to my couch for yes. sure, but that's yeah. really the extent of it. And that's that's about where we've be. been for a while. Though. Yes. <laughs> so yes. what a journey it's been. That was 2023. It has been. Like yeah. you say, the last couple of weeks, 2023. That's been our journey: <laughs> backyard, couch, bed. <laughs> Where else do you need to go? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we haven't gotten to see you in this virtual way. We are working on some IRL hangout soon. uh, Hence the discussion we had about traveling previous to our recording just now. But uh, how was your, your weirdo Christmas, your New Year's, Bridget? Weirdo Christmas was fantastic as always. Lots of bad movies were watched. Um, We actually did a special thing to, to watch horror Christmas movies. I didn't know there were so many, but like 10 out of 10 (laughs) would recommend. Um, Uh New Year's was also fun. I feel like I'm a little, I don't know, January is such a weird time of year because you kind of start and you're like, this is going to be New Year, new me. And then by the second week of January, you're like, oh, well, turns out it's still same old me. And maybe that's okay. (laughs) Just feels like a little bit of a slow start. It's been really cold in D.C. Mm and snowing. I'm doing dry January, so I'm sober. I'm broke from Christmas. I'm tired. Like, January is just a slog. January is the hangover month. I mean, essentially, whether it's from, like, spending too much money, being around too many people, all of those things, just kind of recuperating. And it does, as Annie and I talked about earlier, I was like, I feel like January and February ends up being the longest months of the year. Like, we did an episode, and I was like, it's still January. I really thought we had hopped into at least February, and we're still nowhere near. And I'm like, why does it feel like we're in the middle of the year, but we just started? It is dragging. It <laughs> Maybe it's the sobriety. <laughs> Maybe it's dragging. <laughs> I don't know about that life thing yet. <laughs> yeah, no, well, uh, we have done several episodes about how neither of us are big fans of New Year's. So we're right there with you. Because I feel like it's so anticlimactic. You're like, yes. And then you're like, ah, oh, this is kind of depressing <laughs> yeah. to like look back on your past year and be like, I got to change all this. And then you're like, well, I can't really. <laughs> right. Totally. You're like, that takes money and time. Yes. And then once the kind of 
So you have the holidays and you're kind of like, oh boy, I could really go for this being over. The holidays end and then you're like, okay, now I'm feeling back to the grind, like holidays are over. There's just a thing that happens after the holiday wind down kind of wears off that just is so, it's just such a slog. It's a slog of a month, I think, for everybody. So for folks who are listening and maybe feel like they're a little off, feeling a little weirdsies, I think we're all in the same boat. It's true. It's yes. also dark. And again, as you said, cold. And who likes the cold? It's not me <laughs> here in the South. <laughs> I prefer cold to hot, but it is dreary. It's like a... And there's not like anything really coming to look forward to. I don't look forward to like Valentine's Day. Like There's no... It's just like, okay, I'll wait a couple months for something. <laughs> Sunshine. Just hold on till yeah. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> or Arbor yes. Day. When is that? I don't know. <laughs> Yes, I'm a huge celebrator of Arbor Day. Uh, well, I have to say, you you really came in swinging with this topic, and I have, I have been thinking about this because I'm actually not on social media a lot, but I have seen. I feel like I'm one of the only people I know, and this I'm sure it's not true, but I've, in my circle that watches a lot of YouTube, and YouTube. There's something going on with YouTube ads that I've been trying to make into an episode, but I can't quite nail down what it is. But they've become so gendered in a way that, like, isn't new, but feels like, wow, we've gone this far back. But it'll be something like, especially around the holidays, like, well, my wife loves me, so she got me this thing that she can use to make my life better. Or, like, it'll be from the wife's perspective, and it'll be... Oh, I got this because my husband's been so tired and I can make his life easier. So it's like gifts that are all about him, but it's painted as if she wants it too and she likes it too. And I'm just confused by the whole thing. Uh, I don't understand. (laughs) I feel you. I feel like lately the internet and social media has become this weird marriage of gender roles and gendered expectations and commerce and capitalism all kind of like blended into one where the only kind of online experience you could ever really hope to have around that is like, buy this thing for your husband to like be a good wife. It's very weird. It's bizarre. Like, and I've I've had moments where I'm like, is this generated by AI? There's like the voices are strange. It's very strange. It might be AI. It could be. Like, there's one in particular. I'm like, I need to look into... I want to investigate what is going on here. (laughs) But yeah, I've just sort of seen it. And so when I saw this topic, I I was like, oh, maybe Bridget can illuminate something that I'm seeing in my specific space, but from what you're seeing uh, on social media. So uh, what are we talking about today? So if you've spent any time at all on social media, you have probably seen what is called trad wives content, right? Uh, have, have you, I guess, Annie, you're not really on social media, but it does sound like you're getting a little of this on YouTube. Sam, have you s- encountered any of this in your time yeah. on TikTok? So, yeah. So we've had many conversations on the show about the crunchy uh, oh, yes. wives movement that quickly kind of devolves into being a trad wife, as well as talking about uh, religious trauma and uh, the how that plays into the trad wife culture, as well as the red pill episode that we talked about, because that actually jumps into trad wives as well. Um, of course, white supremacist and uh, <laughs> white feminist culture also goes into that. There's so much to this. So definitely had a little bit of research beforehand, and I definitely get it, uh, get it of course, because of my For You page, FYP, Annie, just in case you needed to know, it does feed me the satire of trad wives and or stitching the problematic things with trad wives. I don't follow any and I could I would not recognize any by name necessarily. And I know you're going to talk a little bit, but like Joe Piazza actually was on the show and we talked very briefly with her about some of the things that she has seen and she has addressed also her because she was coming around like Halloween after Halloween in her precious, uh, amazing costume of playing trad wife as well. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of content. I get a lot. And we've talked about the family content stuff, which, again, aligns with that when mm-hmm. a lot of moms of TikTok use their family content as money makers. And to get to get viral. And then, of course, the Ruby Frank case, which is. Oh, my gosh. 
Uh, Annie, just so you know, just recently a woman was convicted for child abuse and so much more um, after it was released that she was abusing her kids and she was using that content with someone, a, a business partner, to make money off on TikTok. And she was severely abusing her kids. So horrible. And she's yeah. just, I, I think she might have like, I know she was in prison for or in jail for a while and then she was released and I think flipped on her business partner and was like, oh, she was the mastermind. Yes, they flipped on each other, uh, obviously, but it was intense. And the whole content is about how she is very cruel to her children and how she punishes them by by not letting them have dinner was the like the beginning of everything. But this type of content, which you have talked about before using children um, as uh, moneymakers for content creation, but on that same line with Tradwives that have been popping up so much. Totally. So it is interesting that I think that, you know, we're talking about this mix of gender and commerce that is so ubiquitous on social media. And I think you've really nailed something that the depiction of motherhood and romantic partnership that we're shown as women on social media is highly commercial. Like somebody is probably making money from that depiction in some capacity. So for folks who don't know, Trad Wives is short for traditional wives, and it's these content creators who make content about, ostensibly about the bliss that they find in doing traditional domestic labor. You know, cooking, cleaning, sewing, running a household. So I should say right off the bat that, like, not all Trad Wife content is created equal. Some Trad Wife content creators just seem to be sort of showcasing their lives. We'll talk about some of those. Um, but others seem to be more directly and explicitly romanticizing and advocating for, like, this bygone time when women were happier, primarily in the home. So um, I did an interview with Joe Piazza, who I'm so glad that she stopped over on, on y'all's pod, too, because she is incredible and hilarious. Um, she has a podcast called Under the Influence, all about influencing and women. So... Joe actually makes it very clear that this bygone era where women were so happy to have be staying in the home actually kind of does not exist, right? It's like a throwback and a romanticization of a time period that like did not actually really exist for women because truly can you really romanticize the choices made by white women at a time when they like could not even own bank accounts, right? Like it's a little hard to be like, "Oh, well, our grandmothers were just choosing to be in the household because that was what was better. And it's like, well, she couldn't have her own money legally. So maybe choice isn't the right word. So I say white women because I'm a Black woman and we are explicitly not talking about Black women like myself. Black women historically pretty much have always done wage-earning work outside of the home. Even if we wanted to stay in our homes and not do that, that really wasn't an option for us. Rose M. Kreider and Diana B. Elliott note in their report called Historical Changes in Stay-at-Home Mothers, 1969 to 2009, that even Black mothers with young children were in the workforce following World War II, when many of their white counterparts had withdrawn from the labor force. And in places like South Carolina, they even had laws on the books that were requiring Black women to have consistent employment outside of the home. So I just wanted to say that because I feel like when we talk about conversations about who works and who didn't work and what it's a throwback to. I just think it's important to note that we are talking about, like, one specific subset of women, not all women. Um, so I should say I'm not an expert on Tradwise. I did do a lot of reading for this episode. However, I do consider myself a bit of an expert on the internet and social media. And I think there are a few key parts of the conversation around Tradwives and that kind of online content that get a little overlooked that I just want to make sure that we are all keeping in mind when we're consuming this content and talking and thinking about this content. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part time, or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Okay, for for listeners maybe like me who have seen some weird YouTube ads but maybe don't know <laughs> what <laughs> is happening on social media, specifically what kind of uh, content are we talking about here? So as I said, it is content that is like women baking or sewing. You know, sometimes it's just like a woman demonstrating what her life is like. So it's like her with her kids making food, da-da-da. But some of that content is a little bit more sinister. Um, In this kind of treadwife content, women are explicitly comparing their lives and their choices to the lives and choices of other women. I transcribed a TikTok that I think demonstrates what I am talking about. So this is from influencer Emily Allison, who describes herself on Instagram as counterculture thinking, child raising. I just want my kids to grow up in a free country. So I'm going to read what she says in her TikTok and just kind of imagine that like there's sort of cute, smarmy guitar music playing under this because that's what the TikTok is like. Um, And that my narration is synced up to videos of me wearing prairie dresses and, like, cooking and playing with my kids. Okay, here we go. Our culture tells women that it's honorable to sacrifice everything for your job, but it's unfair to sacrifice everything for your family. That it's liberating to be sexually used by men who are not committed to you, but it's oppressive to love and respect a man who is. That it's somehow empowering to rely on the system to educate your kids, feed your family, and keep you alive rather than have the skills to do it yourself. I say that culture is full of lies. So that's just me, like, reading a word-for-word transcript of what this person has to say. First of all, you might think from that transcript that this person does not do wage-earning work because she is too busy, like, focusing on her family. However, according to her Instagram bio, it says that she is a writer for the far-right website Epoch Times. So she actually does have a job, but she just wants to let us know that She has a job in a way that is, like, different and better than everybody else who has a job. Like, I don't know what y'all are doing, but, like, (laughs) when I have a job, it's better. When you have a job, you are making a mistake and turning your back on your family. So just so you know, I'm I'm doing it right. Y'all are doing it wrong. So I think this content is a good example of what I'm talking about, right? Like, if Emily is so content with with her life, you know, I don't think that somebody who is super content would feel the need to really compare their choices and their life to the choices in life of somebody that they don't even necessarily know, right? Like, there is something about the content that I think is meant to enrage, meant to make people feel a certain kind of way. Do, do you do you all see this, or am I, am I, am I way off no. base here? Well, the, the minute you said that she was for a writer for the far right news article, I think that, again, kind of coming back to what we were talking about with red pill slash white supremacy, this level of indoctrination is 
the MAGA world. And uh, <laughs> I doubt we have any MAGA listeners, but if you're offended, f*** you. Um, <laughs> essentially, like, if it sounds offensive, but it's actually true because there's this whole underlying level of creating more white babies. And I'm assuming this one woman is a white woman. Um, and in this whole culture of go against the zeitgeist, which now the zeitgeist is too liberal, um, which is that, you know, in their, in their mind, of course, um, in this conversation, which is, again, what we were really, like, every time I would go down this rabbit hole of anything trad wives, anything crunchy moms situation, it gets very succinct to this ideal of moms protecting white children or the white uh, community in itself. And this level of that has to be also meaning that we're rebellious against uh, the norm. And those are the devils who, totally. you know, this level of conversation. It's like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. And that guitar playing is you're supposed to think this is a Midwestern family out in the cornfields in their dresses, having the perfect little like dinner at the tables, but that they have obviously gardened themselves <laughs> because they don't trust the government or the fertilizer. And, you know, wore these clothes that they have made themselves, as well as the fact that, you know, they don't do doctors and that. Like this level of ideal of the perfect life that kind of also insinuates, but the perfect life means you have to be white. A thousand percent. And something that you picked up on that I really want to pull out is how so much of this content also sort of has this almost like faux persecution angle to it. Like, they don't want me to be submissive to my husband. Who? Like, they don't, they don't <laughs> want me making homemade meals. It's like, who, who are you talking about that is preventing you from doing this? This is something that I've noticed a lot. It's almost like these people want to be persecuted or, like, victimized in some way. And they, they really, they're so committed to wanting to feel like they're going against the grain and challenging norms that they have made that into an identity and... They've kind of, like, built it up that everything they do is, like, being challenged. Everything they do, like, they don't want me to grow my own food. And it's like, who? Like, who is preventing you from doing this if that's what you want to do? Right. I've seen so many people say, like, make it seem as though there's some sort of feminist conspiracy to keep women from staying at home and not doing wage-earning work. And I, I mean... I would, if I could afford to comfortably do that, I think I would love to do right. that, right? I think a lot of people would love to do that. But like, what people are saying is like, yeah, you should have the choice to do, what you, do whatever you want to do. And what they're hearing is like, they're not letting me stay at home. Where, where are these people who are preventing women from like, staying at home with their Boy. families if that's what they want to do. That's called capitalism, babe, and it sucks for everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all dealing with the same <laughs> We're harsh... all suffering. But, you know, yeah. I think that's that conversation again, this whole, like, they won't let me do this thing or they won't let me do that thing. And it's kind of that conversation you were talking about earlier where Black women were pretty much excluded from the white feminist movement because they did not listen to the fact that Black women have been working, women of color have been working the entirety of their existence from jump because they had no other choice that the fact that they, they want to go to work and women should be, they're not listening to the other side of what feminism should look like. And that conversation is that it's the choice. Right. It's the choice to do what you, whether it is to be a stay-at-home mom and to have a whatever balanced life that you want if you agreed upon it and everything is fair for you too and there's respect, then wonderful. That's the thing. That's the choice to have that choice is the feminist ideal. But yeah, the more I see, like again with the trad wise, they're going to a 1970s tactic of the fear mongering of feminism. Right. Of, they want to take away men. <laughs> they hate all men. They want to kill men. <laughs> a, B, the fact that they can't wear, you can't wear bras as if you do, you're not a feminist and you can't wear, like whoever said these things? Who said this? What is happening? This fear-mongering that has come back and that they have not only uh, taken this on, they're pushing it so hard that those who always hated the ideal of something absolutely are gripping to this. It's like, yes, they are trying to take away these things from me or make me do these things, and I hate the feminists. Yes, it is such a straw man. Absolutely. 
And so this actually is one of the three major points that I want folks to think about and really know in terms of coming to this content with a critical eye and with 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 a little bit of media literacy is that this kind of content is often specifically engineered to make us have a big reaction, right? So in the example that we were just talking about, um, you know, that that influencer does not have a huge following. She has like 20K on Instagram and I think for, around 40K on TikTok, which is pretty small in the, in the ecosystem of trad wife influencers. And so, you know, because some of these people have like millions and millions of followers. So I suspect the reason that she has to frame her video in such a smug way where it's like, my choices are good. Other women's choices, mm, not good, is because she is trafficking on our big reaction to get engagement. If she just said, I like to homeschool my kids, I like to play with my kids, I like to cook for my husband, I have a relationship where I respect my husband, who would care? Nobody would care because it's like, oh, good for you. She has to tweak it to be like, I'm doing it in a good way and everybody else is doing it wrong intentionally because it gets our blood boiling to get more engagement, to get more views, and to ultimately boost her profile where it's very clear she wants to have a big one, right? And so in some ways, this is just a good old-fashioned engagement grift where you say things in a way that is intentionally said to be a little bit inflammatory to get more engagement. Right. (sighs) Gosh. That took me on a rabbit hole of like a dark time (laughs) in our company where that was like, you should make people mad. They'll engage with you. And I'm like, please don't make uh, me do that. Um, <laughs> this is a bit of a side note, but this is my new like media literacy battle cry, which is that we should understand how many places on the internet and how many places and influencers and people and content creators that make up our internet discourse are doing that. They are trying to get one over on us because it is effective. We already know that social media platforms intentionally boost content that gets a lot of engagement and that makes us angry or gets our hearts racing because it is better for their platforms. And so the dynamic where anybody who says something that is inflammatory, that gets people upset, that they are rewarded with engagement, that is a bad system. And we need to be looking at it like, I can't tell you how many stupid TikTok skits I have gotten sucked into where I'm like, wait a minute, why do I care? Like what this fake scenario says is happening. Like the story time of a woman doing her makeup, telling me a made-up story about a friend that doesn't exist. Like, why am I giving this my attention? And we need to put a wrench in that entire system, that entire machine that continues to crank out content like that because it's not good for us. No. And I think a lot of it is so, and I know you're going to talk about this in a little bit, but it's so dishonest and, and the time it takes and perhaps the production it takes to just make these videos. I always kind of laugh when I see like ring lights in their <laughs> eyes and it's clearly <laughs> supposed to be like, oh, I just woke up. I'm like, no, you didn't. But you do have another example of somebody who has a lot of engagement. Yes. Yes. And that is Ballerina Farms. So if you don't know who Ballerina Farms is, her name is Hannah Neelyman. Uh, and she is a follower of the Church of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. a Mormon. Um, she married into the family that owns the airline JetBlue. So, girl married very well. Um, she is probably not living, like, a rural, kind of dependent-on-the-land lifestyle. However, if you looked at her content, you might think, like, oh, she's living a very humble, rural existence because that's what she wants you to think. She spends a lot of time on TikTok cooking with her eight kids on her farm, And when she's not doing that, she is competing in beauty pageants. She has almost 10 million followers. So a huge, huge footprint in the landscape. Uh, I would say Ballerina Farms, I I would describe her as like a source of a lot of skepticism and frustration. Like she competed in a beauty pageant just, I think, a few days after she gave birth, for instance. And people were like, you know, like you're probably not in your best shape when you just have given birth. What are, like pe- People felt some kind of way about the fact that she was, you know, competing in a beauty pageant. But as a recent piece in Glamour points out, you really would never know that her content is, like, controversial or is a source of frustration or skepticism for people. The piece reads, Neely Min has never wavered. She doesn't publicly address her haters, she doesn't engage with the discourse, and she doesn't try to clear the air on, for instance, whether her wealthy father-in-law bought her ranch for her family. 
She just continues to make bread, post videos of her dancing, and live her life. She seems to be, at least online, completely unbothered and content, which of course is its own kind of privilege when you have eight kids. But on the other hand, we have no idea what her reality really looks like, do we? And so she does not have to engage in the kind of rage baiting that somebody who might be a less successful trad wives influencer might have to, right? Like her thing is like, I just make my bread and like smile weird and like pretend to be living a rural rustic life, even though I'm very wealthy. Right, right. And there's a lot of romanticizing of like that kind of work and that kind of life um, that I think I see happen a lot in general conservative movements where they're like, let's get back to the land. I'm like, do you know how to get back to the land? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was talking to, so my partner grew up on a farm in rural upstate New York. When I say a farm, I don't know, like I'm not a country girl. So when he was like, oh my, I grew up on a farm. My parents live on a farm. The first time I went to visit his parents who still live on that farm, I was like, oh, I don't know what I had been envisioning, but like, It is a farm farm, like a real farm. And so he grew up like tending to animals as part of his chores. And they would, you know, butcher and package steaks, you know, for it to eat and to sell. So like a real farm. And it is always so funny to him and his family how people online have convinced themselves that farm life is this like route to a soft, slow life. That is only true for people who are wealthy, who are not actually farming as a source of their existence, as a source of sustenance, as a source of their financial security. Anybody who actually lives on a farm, a real farm, where that farm, where like you live or die or you eat or don't eat based on how that farm is doing, will tell you that it is a ton of work. People who have farms are always tired. Their schedules are wild. Like this idea that, that, oh, you know, we're just going to buy a land and start a farm and that that's going to be an easy, slow life. Absolutely not. That is just a a fiction, a fantasy. Talk to anybody who's ever done farming. That's not true. Have they not seen Little House on the Prairie? They're waking up (laughs) at 4 a.m. and going to bed at 9. And they're... (laughs) I know Uh, that's that's, that's my reference. But no, like to to know that they actually have to wake up at the crack of dawn to make sure whether it's snowing or raining and all of that to make sure they have to take care and tend to all the things, the living things that are on there, including uh, any crops. And if they have like workers on there, I'm assuming because I don't know anything about this ballerina farmer, that if they are that wealthy and they do actually own a farm, that they do hire workers. And how little she's active on that farm. Maybe I'm just out of, (laughs) you know, speaking up too much, but just like it doesn't seem like a thing that she would be doing while she's also posting pretty little pictures of herself dancing with her kids. I can confirm that they have, like, a pretty big staff, like, a paid employees who work for them. I should also say, like, side note, I have heard some horror stories about what is actually, like, going down on that farm. If you are interested, there are Reddit rabbit holes, but, like, I cannot confirm any of that myself, so, like, don't have anything to say about it. But that is out there about some of the allegations of how the animals are treated on that farm, but, like, do your own research there because I I don't know either way. But yes, she she definitely has paid staff to do the actual labor. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's like, if that's how you're going to do it. But then don't go on TikTok and make it seem like you are doing this work yourself and it's actually not that hard and you actually have a slow life, a soft life, because that's not true, right? And so I think that's sort of like my biggest point is that I think that some of these creators are just not being totally honest in the way that we we understand that most online content is probably not honest in some way. But there's something about the, like, trad wife, slow life, rustic vibes, content creators that I think makes it harder to see when someone is basically lying to you on the internet about what their life actually looks like. And so Ballerina Farms might not have to, like, engagement farm the way that the other influencer does. But that doesn't mean that she's being totally honest about what is going down in her life or that we're getting an honest view of it. Because, you know, what do you call somebody who makes content to make their life look a certain way, maybe not totally accurately, to sell commercial products? A marketer, right? Like, that is 
marketing. Ballerina Farms, I would argue, is a business, and her social media shtick is just part of the marketing arm of this business. Like, their farm is a farm where you can buy boxes of meats from it online. Like, it is a, it is a corporate entity. And so she is just, a, like, marketing her consumer goods to try to get us to buy not just the product, but into the whole lifestyle that her, that her product is kind of revolves around. And what's also kind of interesting is there's this creator, Caro Claire Berkey on TikTok, who has really made a thing out of doing some media analysis around Ballerina Farms as a brand. And she basically is like, we don't actually know or see the actual real person behind Ballerina Farms, Hannah. We don't really see a, a real view of her life. What we're seeing is the way that her corporation or her company wants us to see her for marketing purposes. She compares it to the Kardashians who, you know, we know have become literal billionaires from leveraging a highly curated peak into their personal lives to get us to buy into them as a brand. But the difference is, she says, that the Kardashians are maybe even more upfront about this dynamic than these trad wife influencers. I don't think anybody would be like, oh, the Kardashians are just trying to give us an honest look into the lives of billionaires and like, they're just being so authentic. I don't think anybody would say that. Anybody would know, like, oh, they want you to buy the makeup, the lip kit, the skims, the whatever, the this, the that. And they're leveraging, showing a curated look at their lives to do that. I think with these trad wife influencers, they're just not being honest about what the dynamic is. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. It feels like it's going backwards because for a long while, there was a lot of parents who are truly honest, like this is what it looks like to get to our videos here where they're doing a video and doing a behind the scene and they're being more uh, open and uh, transparent. It feels like it's going back to again where Instagram started and everything was so pretty and all the pictures were so perfect and they had to show the perfect life in order to get the more ads and, and more views. So it feels like it's going backwards again, just like our society uh, in how they are trying to uh, romanticize, as you were saying, a, a lifestyle. I think that's a really good point. And, and I do think that, that this has something to do with that. I think for a while, what popped on social media when it came to making content about motherhood was authenticity. Like, oh, I'm a mess just like you. Like, my kids are filthy and I'm exhausted and I haven't washed my hair just like you. And I think that that authenticity maybe became leveraged where, like, that it almost felt like a curated authenticity. And so I almost wonder if this trad wives kind of 
perfection is a response to this authenticity that, that kind of typified motherhood content on the internet of a certain era. Like, if it was cool to be authentic then, now what's cool is, like, being, being like, isn't my life perfect? Like, we're just coming back around. Coming back in that circle. And just as a reminder, with her having that many followers and that many views, she's making lots of money just off of her TikToks. Lots of money. Yes, like, that is my thing. There's no shame in it, but, like, this is a business. And in my interview with Joe, she puts it really well, that if you're somebody who is setting up a tripod, setting up lighting, putting on a face of makeup, putting on a particular outfit to film content that you then edit, publish to millions of your followers, and have built up a social media platform that might involve navigating like brand deals or sponsored posts, you have a job. That is employment. Mm -hmm. That is labor. So you have a situation where some of these women are making content about how they do not do wage-earning work, but the strategy that in which they are doing that is work. It's like it's like a, a mind f- that's like, I feel like they forgot the mom blogs, which was the beginning, honestly, of all of this. And the way that it was created, it was stay-at-home moms trying to figure out how to make money to help assist and figuring out this is this is profitable and has now ventured into this. And as where the blogs were curated in a way that it was written and entertaining, this is an entertainment on a different level, which is a show, is a show. Pretty much, yeah. Like, in some ways, this is just like entertainment. Like, like it's like using curating a version of your life for entertainment value, right? And I've actually even heard the theory that at least some of this content is fetish content, like sexual fetish content that is not actually meant to be speaking to women at all um, or saying anything or making any kind of comment about women and what we should be doing with our lives or not doing with our lives, that it's meant to appeal to horny men and their submissive wife sexual fantasies and that these creators have just sort of found a way to make fetish content in a way that does not trigger, you know, TikTok or whatever's not safe for work content censors. And so, like, if that's what's going on, like, more power to you, you know, do your thing. But we need to come at this content with a little bit of, like, media literacy and criticism because people would then take that content and then use it to make some kind of a a point or a statement or turn it into a way to understand our own lives. And it's like, well, why would you be doing that with fetish content? Like, I don't think it's, right. I don't think it's meant to help you understand how you should be living your life or making your choices. Yeah. It's going to be accidentally fetish. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, there's a, um, we passed over it, but there was a note you had in your outline that I was, I thought was interesting. It was the, um, it's sort of like cosplaying a certain type of life. Right after um, the insurrection happened on January 6th, I read this really long article about like a lot of people there were cosplaying like the idea of, okay, I'm going to take back our country. And then they get into trouble and all of a sudden they're in court and they're like, Oh God! I, but my whole, like the consequences come and it just falls apart. Uh, so it does have these sort of implications that I don't think people think about when people watch that and it gets in their head and they get this idea of like, oh, I can live that life, I can live off the land, or I can do all these things. But the reality is not there, and it can become a really toxic soup that infects all of us. And it sounds like. Uh, based on my experience and and what you're saying, that we're getting a lot more of this content right now. That is such a good way to put it. And um, something that I didn't have, but I just want to say, is that I want to make it clear that I think that everybody should be able to do what they want to do. Like, my feminism is about letting people make choices for themselves. If that choice is to, like, rage bait other women online for their choices, eh, don't love that. But, you know, in terms of if you want to stay at home or work, that should be your choice. However, one thing I will say is that I have definitely seen an uptick in people giving younger women the advice that they should just marry and start having kids really young. And I don't generally get down for one-size-fits-all advice, but for someone really young to tell them that they should not know anything about having their own money or managing their own money, that they should not try to have any kind of employment history, should this marriage fall apart, should there something happen to their partner, whatever, I think that is really dangerous advice. Even if you're somebody who wants to get married young, wants to have kids young, wants to have a submissive traditional marriage, do all of those things, but make sure that you know how to take care of yourself and live your own life. Because 
nothing in life is guaranteed. Like, you could be happily married forever and get married very young and then have your partner die unexpectedly or something, right? And so I think that we're giving young women advice based on a fantasy that does not come to fruition in reality. And I think you're right, Annie, that we are seeing more and more of this kind of content. And I just don't think we can talk about the rise of this kind of online trad wife content without looking at where we are as women right now, which is not great. You know, we've experienced this major rollback of our rights. The Journal of the American Medical Association actually put out a report just this week that found that since Roe fell, rape has led to an estimated 58,979 pregnancies in states that ban abortion without exception for rape. That is staggering. You know, we also are facing rising costs of things like groceries and housing. Bloomberg found that on average, U.S. households will have to spend an extra $5,200 this year just to be able to enjoy the exact same standard of living that they did last year. Add to that things like climate instability, political instability, all things that historically women have really bore the burden of. And so I just can't help but think that we're seeing this rise in content that romanticizes and glorifies times when women had even less rights than we do right now is related to what's happening currently. Which brings me to the last thing that I want people to really keep in mind when they encounter this content online is that I believe that trad wife content is responding, albeit oftentimes in a very distorted way, to very, very real issues that we're facing as women. You know, we're kind of being served a crap sandwich right now, if I'm being honest with you. Like, we don't have paid leave. We don't have affordable childcare. We don't have any real social safety net. Women are burdened with more and more of the labor that it takes to keep a family stable with very little social or institutional help. And it just doesn't surprise me that we're seeing this online glorification of stay-at-home parenthood in a particular kind of way right now as a reaction to it. And I think that something that gets left out of the discourse is that the reasons that women are staying home are not necessarily like to deprogram their kids from government instruction or whatever the f***. A lot of times it's because childcare is so f***ing expensive that it does not make financial sense to work outside of the home anymore. Or maybe on the flip side, both parents are working and they're just like, figuring it out, and just squeezing by. A lot of people are just doing what they have to do based on financial circumstances that are not great. And so that is a very different thing from choosing to work because feminism and, like, woke society says that you have to. It is like some of these creators are creating a straw man for why women either work outside of the home or don't. And that's actually not a reflection of the reality that most parents are facing right now. Yeah. I, I mean, especially during the beginning of the pandemic, there were so many articles about that of like women were being forced out of the workforce, like all of the scientific papers from women decreased. And I think it's interesting, a lot of content like this immediately out the gate feels defensive for whatever lifestyle. And I could see it being defensive from like women judging you, but I can also see it being maybe trying to find like a reason that it's okay that you didn't have the choice. And mm -hmm. so let me make this look prettier. And no, no, I definitely like it. And this is definitely what I want. So I can, I think that totally makes sense, Bridget. And I think people are picking up on it because women are tired and we just <laughs> love for someone to do it. Like, yes, you go out and work and let me just chill here, which is not the truth at all. But the way they make it look like while I sit here with these pretty little kids and tell them to go take a nap. Like, <laughs> which we've, if you've been in childcare, you know that's not a thing, and everything's a mess, and everything's a disaster, and cooking is, is hard, and being a stay-at-home mom is a full-time job in itself and deserves pay, which is the other conversation that they don't want to have, trad wives, is that a lot of those stay-at-home moms who love it also are like, but we should be paid. Yeah. And absolutely should. It's labor. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And so I think you're right. I think a lot of these influencers can really oversimplify and glamorize what is ultimately a dynamic that does not allow for women to make the choices they want to make. Because being a stay-at-home mom because you cannot afford daycare is not the same thing as choosing it for yourself because it's what you want to do and it's because you can't afford to do it. And I think that ultimately women deserve to have choices. We deserve to have better choices to be able to do what we want to do with our lives. Yep. Let yes. women do women. Yes. Just be women. <laughs> Whatever it may be. Yes. Agreed. Agreed, 1,000%. Um, well, thanks as always, Bridget. Uh, again, I feel like we could go on and on and on, but 
We will let you go for now. Uh, Where can the good listeners find you? Well, you can listen to my podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. If you want to hear my full conversation with Joe Piazza, um, we put it out just recently. She's hilarious. Definitely recommend. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC or on TikTok at Bridget Makes Pods. Yes. And hopefully we'll be able to do some IRL things (laughs) and maybe we can uh, see some of you all there, listeners. Let's hope so. TBD. Stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned. Um, Well, thanks as always, Bridget. Uh, And listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stephanieandmomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on TikTok, which we don't post very often, but we might start posting more. And Instagram at stuffmomnevertoldyou. We have a tea public store and we have a book you can get wherever you get your books. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is production by iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. 